Hey guys, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good morning. Good morning. Man, that sounded so forced. All right, let's try it again. Good morning. Yeah, so much better, so much more pleasant. Guys, it is so good to see you. I just want to take a second and recognize uh, the young lady who came and danced for us this morning. That is Miss Myla Goodman. Can we give her a round of applause? <laughs> Creativity is from God. And, and whenever, uh, whenever a person can be creative, you know, Satan is destructive. And so one of the things we do is we celebrate the arts because every bit of creativity, every bit of the creative arts, that is God-given. And so anyway, we just appreciate you being here, sharing that gift with us. And, uh, and we're always tickled when you come. Well, guys, today is an important day because we have reached the end of the road. I was going to sing that song, but I'll spare you. <laughs> We're at the end of the road, man. We have been in this sermon series called I Am Blessed. Anybody not feel blessed yet? No, you, you, this is it. This is uh, it's your last chance to get blessed. So anyway, we've been in this sermon series. It's been eight weeks long, and we've been covering the Beatitudes out of Matthew chapter 5. And uh, this week was good for me. You know, as I, as I thought about kind of wrapping up the series and tying it all together and tying up all the loose ends, uh, one of the things that has happened over the past several weeks is... In a series like this where you're preaching in an expository way, you know, okay, so I preached this verse, now it's time to look at the next verse. And then the following week, I'll look at the next verse. And so you just get into this, you know, kind of structured, ordered approach. And as I looked back over the totality of the Beatitudes, all eight of the Beatitudes, one of the things that I saw is there are eight of them, but, but I noticed that really... There are two sets of four. There are two sets of four. And at the end of each set of four, there is this reference to righteousness. That there's kind of this commonality that ties up the two sets of four. And so verse six, which is the end of the first set of four, says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then at the end of the second group of four is verse 10. And it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. And when you look at each one of those sets of four, the common theme is, and go ahead and put up the first set of four, there's this holy emptiness that, that whenever we see these things, we see how empty we are. We see how empty we should be. And so the first week we talked about blessed are the poor in spirit. That I'm blessed whenever I assess my life, whenever I evaluate my own life, and I see there's nothing good in me that, that I need Jesus. And without him, I don't have a hope. And so, so I need Jesus. And then we go to blessed are those who mourn. And the thing that we're mourning is our own sin. I, I see my need for Jesus. I see that my own poverty of spirit, my own poor condition. And so then I'm blessed when I mourn over my own sinfulness, over my own emptiness. And then we saw blessed are the meek. Uh, meekness is not weakness. It's strength under control. It's when we uh, don't act reckless, those kinds of things. And then we finish up with blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
righteousness sake again we're empty whenever we don't have food we hunger for food when we don't have water especially these hundred degree days and i know some of you guys work outside when we don't have water what happens we thirst oh man give me some water give me some i came in off the lawnmower yesterday i would have paid ten dollars for a couple i mean just so thirsty and if you don't do something about that thirst, after a while, it becomes an emergency. I mean, you have to go to get a medical professional to help because you become dehydrated. And so, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, this first set is this realization of all the things that I am empty of. All the things that if I tried as hard as I could, I am powerless to do anything about this apart from God's help. Then the second set of four, th this last set of four, that there's this blessedness. It's the commonality here is this about a holy fullness. That it's for things that we should be full of. And so blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Those overflowing with mercy. And that week we talked about how there's a difference between grace and mercy. Grace is when we get something that we don't deserve. Mercy is when we don't get something that we do deserve. And God has been so merciful to us. He showed us mercy before we ever, uh, before we ever apologized, before we ever had repented of our sin. He had showed us the greatest mercy in sending his son Jesus to die for us. And so now because of that act of mercy... We looked at the parable of the unforgiving servant. How dare we withhold mercy from other people who need it? Because God's been so merciful to us. And so we're blessed when we take that on. Blessed are the pure in heart. That was the next week. When our heart is full of purity, when we crave God, when we, uh, we're, we're blessed whenever we examine our motives and we have a heart full of pureness. The next week we're and, and this was last week, blessed are those who have the power to make peace, who are full of peace. And we talked about being a peacemaker. You'll remember the thing I really hit on last week was the difference between being a peacekeeper and a peacemaker. And there is a huge difference. There's a huge difference. A peacekeeper... They just want to keep the peace at all costs. And so if that means I've got to avoid certain conversations, if that means I've got to say certain things to appease you so that there won't be a fight, I'm going to do that because I want to be a peacekeeper. But Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are honest about the issues, who apologize for their part, and then who follow that up with action and we pursue reconciliation with others. We're actively going after the other person's heart. We're not going to sweep stuff under the rug. We're not going to just try to forget it and hide it and hope time will heal all wounds. We're not doing that. Blessed are the peacemakers. And so last week after church, I had a couple guys come up to me. This is just totally a side note. Had a couple guys come up to me and they said, Pastor Andrew, you missed an incredible opportunity. What are you talking about? He said, man, you missed an amazing opportunity. Don't you know, a lot of people in this church are hunters. A lot of people are gun owners, concealed carry, Second Amendment loving, gun-toting people. 
Revival may break out in the front row here. And Pastor Andrew, one of the most famous guns that has ever been. It was the premier gun in the Wild West. Colt made it. Does anybody know what the name of the gun was? Peacemaker. Isn't that bad to the bone? Oh, there's a lack of peace? Hold on just a second. You know, like, that's pretty cool. So I had to work that into today's sermon to cover over my sins from last week and to really relate to my audience. So I'm trying to do that. But that, just by the way, maybe don't write that down. That's not the kind of peace Jesus was talking about. But So and then we come to the last one. And this kind of rounds out that second set of four. Blessed are those who are overflowing with righteousness. They're overflowing with righteousness. And here's the reason. So that they can bear up under persecution. So, so when persecution comes, they can stand firm. Blessed are those who are persecuted. And so let's just look at it in Scripture. It's verses 10 through 12. And here's what it says. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. That's important. Not just persecuted, not just bullied. There's, some people are just bullied. Some people, they're, they're just persecuted for a lot of different... Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now one thing that stands out immediately about this beatitude, especially if you've been here for the whole series, you know all the other beatitudes were one verse. Very short, very concise, one sentence, just blessed is this, and this is going to happen. Blessed is that, and that's going to happen. And then with this one, you see it's, it's three verses long. I mean, there's, there's a lot to that. Why is that? It's, it's for a reason. It's because this blessing is a double blessing. It is a double portion blessing. Verse 12 shows us, it says rejoice and be glad. So there is a blessing here on this earth when we bear up under persecution for righteousness sake. We're, we can rejoice and be glad here on this earth and the other part of the blessing is because there is a great reward in heaven. So when we stand up under persecution, when we hold the faith and hold the line, there is a double blessing for that here on earth and in heaven. And when I see that, I can't help but think about the disciple Stephen. The disciple Stephen. Now, a lot of you are familiar with this story. If you're not familiar with this story, you should go and read Acts chapter 6 and 7 this afternoon. Just an incredible read. It really lets you in on what's happening in Stephen's life. But, but the gist of it is, Stephen is a man of God. Stephen is full of the Holy Spirit. And he's not just full of the Holy Spirit. He's busy serving. He's serving the widows. He's going about the will of God for his life. He is actively engaged in what God has called him to do. And he runs afoul of some of the religious leaders. They don't like his wisdom. He begins to preach and teach. 
and they don't like what he's teaching, but, they, but Scripture says he was so wise they didn't even know how to argue with him. Everything they would try, he would have an answer for. Everything, it, it was the Holy Spirit working in him that gave him the wisdom to be able to come back to anything that they would say. Well, after a while, these religious leaders decide, you know what? We just don't like dealing with this guy, so we're going to have him killed. And so they tell lies on him. They bring people to bear false witness in court. They go to the Sanhedrin. That's a term maybe you're familiar with. You've heard it in the life of Jesus. That's the, that's the same court that Jesus went to. What the Sanhedrin is, is that is the religious ruling council. And so Jesus appeared there. And, and now here we are uh, several years later. And now Stephen is standing before the Sanhedrin. And he's given a chance to defend himself and he starts preaching a sermon. He starts preaching a sermon. I'm not going to read you the whole sermon. It's most of chapter 7. You should go and read it this afternoon. But here's kind of the tail end of his sermon. I think, I think if you'll just allow me some creativity here. Stephen had just said in closing, the music had begun to play through the speaker. Not really. Anyway, so he was closing it out. And here's what he said. Verse 51. You stiff-necked people. Sermon probably really wasn't going that good at that point. You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You're just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. Now, the righteous one is capitalized there because that is as Jesus. You guys predicted the people who, uh, who predicted his coming. You killed them. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. They had killed Jesus on the cross. It had been this very group, like I just said. You have received the law that was given through the angels, but you haven't obeyed it. See, at this moment, they were expecting Stephen to begin to grovel for his life. He knew his life was on the line. And with what those witnesses had just told all those lies about, they had the power to kill him. And they thought he was going to come in and beg for mercy and ask for his life to be spared and plead for forgiveness. And Stephen doesn't do that. He's given a chance to talk, and instead of begging for his own life, what he does is he begins to preach and teach Jesus and look at the result. So the very next verse, verse 54, when the members of the Sanhedrin heard this, they were furious and they gnashed their teeth at him. Can't you guys just picture that in your mind? Like what vivid language. They're furious. They gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, he looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God. And he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Wow. You know, one of the things I see there, I think you could argue, is that whenever we're persecuted, we can see Jesus more clearly. That, that was Stephen's 
experience at least, he saw, in this moment, when he is facing this persecution, his life is on the line, but he's still pointing people to Jesus, he gets to see Jesus clearly. He sees the glory of God, and he sees Jesus. But the other thing that really stands out to me is twice in these verses, it says that Jesus is standing in every other place that I've seen in Scripture, when it talks about Jesus in heaven, it talks about how he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's seated, he's seated, he's seated. And yet in this instance, Stephen sees Jesus and he's standing. And guys, I just picture, I don't know what Jesus is doing here, but I just picture Jesus going, Good job, Stephen. Keep strong, man. Keep it going. You're good. I'm going to see you soon. I just picture Jesus giving Stephen a standing ovation. Because what would happen next? Scripture tells us that these men, literally, the whole assembly came and they tackled Stephen. They, they speared him. They tackled him. And then you couldn't stone someone in the city limits so they drug him out just as quick as they could. They drag him outside the city limits and they stone him. And Stephen died moments after preaching this sermon. Stephen faced the ultimate persecution. He faced martyrdom. He lost his life because he stood for Jesus. Now guys... We're talking about persecution today. And so I know if you brought a friend or, or maybe it's your first time in church yourself and nobody brought you here, you just heard and thought you'd come. Today's going to be a different kind of a sermon, okay? I'm just telling you. Persecution is a reality. It's not, it's not one we see or think about a lot in America because we have freedom of religion and we... We're free to come and worship here. We're free to read our Bible. We're free to go witness to anyone we want to on the side of what we can talk about Jesus. And as a matter of fact, we see thank you Jesus signs all over in yards. Every, I mean, it really, not only is it not looked down upon, I mean, in a lot of ways, especially in eastern North Carolina, it's encouraged. But the reality is, in many places... Actually, I have a total in 53 countries in this world, 53 countries, Christianity is illegal. You can be locked up and arrested. 53 countries. Here's what Scripture says. It tells us that persecution is a reality for all believers. 2 Timothy 3.12 In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, read that last part with me, will be persecuted. Will be. If we want to live a godly life, and I believe that's why you're here at church, I believe that's why you got up and got dressed this morning, because your desire is to lead a godly life. Friends, I don't want to discourage you today, but Scripture doesn't say maybe, it doesn't say could. It says you will be persecuted. Jesus teaches it to us as well in John 15, 20. It says, remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, 
they, were, they will persecute you also. And we know that Jesus was persecuted. He died. He died. He was crucified. He was persecuted. He was beaten and whipped, mocked and ridiculed. And Jesus promises us that if they persecuted him, they will persecute us too. So here's the reality of persecution in our world. I, I brought some statistics and some numbers. You guys can go ahead and throw those up there. 4,136 Christians were killed for faith-related reasons. This comes from Open Door USA. It was last year, most up-to-date data that's available, 4,136. So on average, that's 11 a day. 2,625 Christians were detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, and imprisoned. Not a jury of their peers, locked up, sentenced. You're not coming out for a long time. Go ahead and show the next one. 1,266 churches or Christian buildings were attacked. Now we see those numbers, and it's like, oh my goodness. I, I mean, especially for me, as I looked at that this week, I thought, dude, that... That's eye-opening. Again, we live in America. We don't see a lot of that. And yet, that's the reality for so many people in this world. Let me tell you about an email we got. This will bring it a little bit closer to home. The pastors here at, at the church, we got an email in January. It's from Pastor Luis. Uh, you know, we've highlighted already. We highlighted them in June. We have a Belize missions team. For the past seven years, we've gone to Belize. We've poured into that work. God's doing amazing things. We've seen growth. Pastor Luis emailed us to say, guys, please pray. My home has just been burned down. I don't know what I'm going to do. It was an act of persecution. Several of the villagers saw a gentleman with a gas can running away. Nobody knew who he was. But the only home that was attacked was my home, and, and he had recently been warned or threatened or however you want to look at it. Hey, you need, to, you need to kind of cool it with the whole Jesus stuff. Of course, he didn't. And then his home was burned. Now, in Belize, it's, it's thatch roofs. I mean, they're weaving, you know, thatch together. It's not... He lost his clothes, his shoes, his cooking utensils, things that are not easy to replace in that part of the world. Why do I tell you that? I tell you that just to share with you that this persecution that we're talking about, it is happening in the world today. It happens in many different places. It happened in the early church. One of the things that makes Christianity so believable, I mean, even for skeptics, you, you've got to take a step back. Every single one of the disciples died a martyr's death. Well, let me say it like this. All of them except for one. All of them except for one. Peter was crucified upside down. James was stoned. Thomas was stabbed. Every single one of them died for what they believed. They knew that their life was on the line, and they kept preaching Jesus anyway. I know what you're thinking right now. Okay, who was the one that wasn't killed? You got to tell me. It was John. John did not die because of persecution, but he was still persecuted. In Rome, he was boiled in oil because of his faith in Jesus Christ. 
Every single one of these men bore up. They stood up under persecution. And look at their response. I, I love it. Their response, Acts 5, 41. This was after they had been persecuted, not after they had lost their life, but they had just been persecuted. Acts 5, 41 says, The apostles left the high council rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? What a response. We, we hear, blessed are the persecuted. And, and let's be honest, guys, that doesn't connect. Wait, wait, wait. So you're telling me people are going to hurt me or, or kill me or I'm going to risk things that I don't want to happen to me are going to happen to me for the name of Jesus? And wait a second, let me, let me make sure I get this right. And when that happens, I'm blessed. Yep. And it doesn't make sense. You, you read about men who were burned at the stake in England during the marrying, during the Marian persecutions. Men like Roland Taylor and Bishop Ridley and John Bradford. These stories are contained in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. And do you know what requests they made before they died? They, they said, can I have one request? Okay, what do you want? May I kiss the stake? The, the, their dying request is, I get to die for Jesus. Guys, I'm telling how countercultural is this? How, what a different kind of mentality. It's, it's amazing when you think about it that again, these guys, their, their dying request was to be able to kiss the stake on which they were about to be burned because they had the same reaction as the apostles. I get to suffer for the cause of Christ. And so I think about us. Okay, Pastor Andrew, that's, that's incredible. But what does that mean for me? In 2019, living in America, you said, Scripture tells us if you want to live a godly life, you're going to be persecuted. We saw Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you also. But I mean, really, I, I've never even once thought I could lose my life for B. I mean, I'm, what does that mean for me? Most oftentimes in America, it's going to be about human acceptance. It's going to be about human acceptance. And hear me, guys, it's not about comparing persecutions. It's not that one is more horrible than the other or whatever. It's if we take a stand for Jesus Christ, if we align ourselves with the values and belief systems and morals that Scripture lays out, we will be persecuted. I'll give you some examples. If you work in business, you're a businessman or a businesswoman, and you say, you know what, I'm not going to overcharge the client. You know what, I'm going to not fudge on this expense report. I'm, I'm going to do my taxes correctly. Oh my goodness. You just, just hold on, baby. Strap in because persecution's coming. The boss, your peers, your other people in the business are going to say, man, what are you doing? We don't do this. They won't understand it because for them, it's all about the bottom line. And so you're going to be, per people won't like you. 
I think about for the Christian teens in this place. If you make a decision, you decide, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait and not have sex until marriage. I'm going to not have premarital sex. I'm not going to smoke or drink underage. I'm not going to do drugs. I'm going to live by what Scripture teaches. Do that. Align yourself with Christ. But there will be people who don't understand. There will be persecution. There will be a lack of acceptance. Here's one that really shouldn't even be a thing. Stand up for human life. Speak out against abortion. Align yourself with Christ and see if there aren't people who will come after you. And again, it's not about None of this is about comparing our persecution with the other. But what is it in us that wants people to like us so badly? We're willing to go against what Jesus said to gain human acceptance for people that may or may not even be in our life five years from now. When you align yourself with the righteousness of Jesus there are two possible responses. They're outlined in John chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Here they are. Everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. So the first reaction is people are going to push away. They're going to want to get away. They're going to want to get out of the light. You ever gone into a dark room and flipped on a light? Maybe you didn't know people were in there. Or maybe you did know people were in there and you did it for meanness. You flip on that light and it's bright. What happens? Oh, they start, they start sheltering their eyes. They start shielding the light. Oh, man, I can't even see. I think there's a lesson on evangelism right there. You know, we can tell others about Jesus. We can try to win other people for Jesus, but we got to make sure we're giving them light in a way that's not like overwhelming. <laughs> but one response is that people just want to kind of get away from the light. But then there's verse 21. But whoever practices the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen clearly that what he has done has been accomplished in God. The other response is that people want to come into the light. In a way, just to say it in one word, it's persecution or it's conversion. That when we align ourselves with Jesus, when, when we shine the light of Jesus in this world, people are naturally coming to one of two conclusions. And it won't happen overnight. It won't happen quickly in most cases. But people are either heading toward Persecution, they don't want to be around you because of what you represent. They feel judged. They, they just don't like they They want to get away from it. They feel persecuted or they're going to persecute you. And then the other response is, or conversion. Your light is shining and it's causing them to be drawn to it. And, and the light we're shining is the light of Jesus in us. I'll tell you a story I heard, absolutely true story. It's from Ajith Fernando. And Mr. Fernando talks about the history of the Christian church in his home country of Sri Lanka. Here's what he said. During the years of British rule in Sri Lanka, church leaders had influence in high places, a seat at the table of political power, 
Listen to this. There was little persecution, but there, were, there was little conversions as well. But then the country changed. But then it all got flipped on its head. And a Hindu government, a militant Hindu government came into power. The Christians weren't welcomed at the seats of government. Persecution began and with it a flood of conversions to Christ like the church had never seen before. How in the world is that? How is it that that happens? Guys, I'm telling you, the church has faced persecution many, many times before. There, there have been many people throughout church history and all over the world who have been against church. And most of the time in those places, Jesus Christ and the gospel thrives. Why is that? Because persecution purifies. Persecution has a sanctifying effect. All of a sudden, people who are just kind of, yeah, I like Jesus. Yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian as long as it doesn't cost me anything. Wait a minute. You mean I could be persecuted because of this? You mean I could lose my life? You mean bad things could happen? All of a sudden, the people who come and who are a part of the church, the people who are in, are all in. And so the result is... The church gets really pure and other people are drawn to it. Other people are drawn to it. I had another scripture. I'm not going to read it to you. So I'll just give the media guys a heads up on that. It was from 1 Peter. In that book, one of the things that you'll see, and I, I just want to tell you, it, it would be a phenomenal book for you to read, especially if you're feeling persecuted. Peter writes... The, the book of First Peter. He writes this letter and his audience, he's writing to the Christians who were in Rome and the Christians in Rome are scattered. They're all over the place. And the reason for that is because they were being persecuted. You guys have seen the Colosseum. You've seen the uh, emperor. He gives the thumbs up or the thumbs down whether or not the person lives or not. And then lions come in and write... That was, that was that period of time. That's what was going on. It, that Christians were being persecuted like crazy. And Peter writes them this letter. And in this letter, he starts in chapter 1. He says, hey, hey, don't forget who you are. You're children of God. You are citizens of heaven. And, and I know, I know, in this world... You don't feel at home. In this world, you feel perfect. That's because you are foreigners and exiles. Our bridge group, my bridge group right now, is going through the book of 1 Peter. And at our meeting this past week, Danny Lampron said something that I've been thinking about ever since. And he said, you know, when people come here from, from out of town, when, when they're an outsider or they're a foreigner, what do we say? No, literally, what do we say? They ain't from around here. You ever said that? You, you ever been in downtown Mount Olive and you just knew? They ain't from around here. I was a little bit off with that guy. She's wearing a kimono, you know, like. 
ain't from around here. And here's what Danny said. You know, if we're citizens of heaven and we're foreigners and we're exiles in this world, I wonder if the unbelievers at my job, I I wonder if my neighbors who don't believe, I, I wonder if to the world they can tell, hey, you know what? Something different about that guy. He from around here. Maybe not physically. Yeah, I'm from around Mount Olive, but but spiritually, there's something I can't explain. I can't put my finger on it, but, but this guy's a little bit different. He's got hope whenever his situation looks hopeless. He's being persecuted, and he thinks he's being blessed. What's up with him? And so that's the question I want to leave us with as we wrap up this series, as we, as we draw this whole thing to a close. You know, so many of the, the Beatitudes, so many of the things we've been studying over the past several months, blessed are those who mourn. That makes sense. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. On the outside looking in, we would see people who were going through that and we would think, oh man, poor people, I'm gonna pray for them. And yet they're blessed. We are blessed when we go through that. And so again, the question I'll leave you with is, do the unbelievers in my life notice something different about me? Do I come across as a citizen of heaven, a foreigner and an exile here on this earth? If you do good, you are blessed. Again, the whole book of 1 Peter, read that. It's an encouragement for those who are going through persecution. Let's pray, guys. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for what you're teaching us in this series. Thank you, God, for the ground we've covered, and especially today as we wind up on persecution. I don't think there's anybody in here I'll just speak for me. I I would have never prayed for persecution. And yet I see the response of the disciples and the apostles. I see the response of those people in the Marian trials and persecutions and how they embraced it. I, I see Stephen's response and how blessed they felt like they were to be able to endure persecution for Jesus. And so, God, I just pray over each and every person under the sound of my voice. Your word tells us we will go through persecutions. God, it is my prayer that when we do, we would bring glory and honor to your name and your kingdom and that other people would see something different in us. God, I am so guilty of wanting everyone to like me and caring what people think about me and and maybe shying away from taking a stand with you. God, forgive us. Help us to stand with you and align ourselves with you. And if people don't like it, it's purifying because we know who we are. Blessed are the persecuted. God, I finished this series by just praying and asking for your hand of blessing to be on each and every one under the sound of my voice. 
as we go forth from this place, help us to shine the light of Jesus brightly. We pray all this in the precious and holy name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen, amen. Hey guys, thanks for being here today. Let me tell you what's happening next week. Next Sunday, we are starting a brand new sermon series called Faves. And I'm just telling you now, for the next four weeks, you do not want to miss this. It is going to bless you. Uh, Each of the preaching pastors from all four of our locations, we're going to be going around preaching at all the locations. And so you guys are going to have the opportunity to hear from all of our pastors. Pastor Jim will be here, Pastor Ryan, Pastor Allen. And we're preaching our favorite sermon. So no pressure, right? So anyway, y'all pray for me that I get to write my favorite sermon this week. But seriously, um, don't miss that. That'll be over the next four weeks. Really looking forward to that. If you're a first-time guest, don't forget to go by the VIP table. We have a gift for you. Guys, God bless you. I hope that you have a great week. Take care.